if you don't feel rested, safe, fed, secure, and basically just general feelings of groundedness in wherever you're staying, you're not going to be able to be productive. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Wholehearted Glow podcast. I am your host, Blaze Collette. Welcome in. Welcome back. Welcome home. Uh, We are rolling through the middle of July at the time of recording this podcast. And dang, it has just been a crazy year, hasn't it? And I am excited for today's episode. Today we have part two about what I learned being a digital nomad, living abroad, and how it affected my professional life. And I think this is a really, really important topic because it really delves into this idea of how do we operate as professionals? How do we operate as entrepreneurs? And how do we grow our business when we're living abroad? Because we have so many other factors that are countering into our life that we really need to be mindful of. So I'm really excited to dive right into today's episode. And I also recorded recently a part one series to this, which was all about what I learned being a digital nomad and how it affected my personal life. And this was a pretty raw episode, really got into the nitty gritty and talked a lot about how my personal life was affected by doing the digital nomad thing, living in South America, and just the things that I learned while going through that experience. And so it feels really good to be able to share with you both the personal side and the professional side. So if you haven't listened to that episode, you can just go back to the most recent episode before this one. You will see it there and you can listen to that and get a little bit more of an idea of what really went down while I was traveling abroad in South America. And also things that might be beneficial for you to think about if you are considering the path of being a digital nomad. So before we get into today's episode, I do just want to let you know that we have lots of great offerings happening at wholeheartedglowcoaching.com. One of my favorites that I am doing right now and working with clients on are what are called the goal setting sessions. And these are a really great opportunity for you if you are looking to level up within four different areas of your life. So basically what we do is we pick, we've got our personal life, we've got our spiritual growth, whatever that means to you. We have our finances and we have our career. And it is up to you to decide what area you would like to focus in and how you would like to go about setting goals for that particular area. And then what we do is we create a comprehensive three-month and six-month plan to make sure that you are able to reach those. There are weekly accountability calls, and it's just a really great container for you if you're a driven person and you have a lot of goals and dreams, but you're not really sure exactly how to go about making them happen. And I know for me, it took me a long time to create what are called success structures. And this is basically my formula, my hack for reaching long-term goals. An example of this would be becoming a top 50 trainer at Equinox, which is a huge luxury fitness corporation in the United States. And there were a lot of small, small building blocks that led up to that pinnacle. And it took, you know, over two years and I was able to do it. And I'm really grateful that I had the team around me that I did to push me towards that goal. But at the same time, 
having at the time I did have a coach and just being able to work with someone specifically on what my exact goals were made it a lot easier for me to see the trajectory of where I wanted to go. So the goal setting sessions are really great. And I'm really excited to be offering those to you. If you have any questions on that, you can reach out to me, Blaze Collect, on Instagram at Wholehearted Glow Coaching, or you can head right over to the website to the offerings page and you can book your first session. So let's go ahead and get right into it and we're going to get started. So here is what I learned being a digital nomad for four months in South America during a global pandemic and how it was important to think about my professional life within this time. What I learned professionally, what I learned in my business. I've been just a little bit of a background. I have been running my own business, being an entrepreneur and coaching for I would say about a year and a half coming up on two years. And before that I was working coaching and personal training and nutrition training and nutrition coaching, all of the things, teaching classes, teaching yoga, teaching cycling within a huge corporation. So what I did is I really spent that time while I was there learning and growing as a person who could better understand business, as a person who could better understand entrepreneurship as a person who could better understand how to build a brand that matters and that people care about and how to sell myself and how to be authentic and genuine. And the challenge that I found, and I know that I'm giving a backstory before we get into it, but the challenge that I found with working under a corporation is that at the end of the day, I was having to conform to the idea of what someone else wanted me to be. And as someone who might be like you, who's listening to an entrepreneur digital nomad podcast, you might be the free thinker or the person who doesn't really like to think inside the box or doesn't want to do the nine to five or follow the rules. And I always felt like that my entire life, but entrepreneurship has really been the first place where I have been able to show up as myself, but also do something that aligns with the vision that I have, because I know I've spoken about this before, but I'm a visionary. It's like, I feel it. I see it. I can see the big picture. And then I work backwards from that bigger vision to achieve the goals of the business and to build the brand. So while I did learn a lot working under a corporation and I learned so many great business and professional skills, and I'm so grateful It has been amazing to create freedom for myself in being an entrepreneur, in running my own personal training company and running my own coaching company and running my own wellness consulting company and not feeling like I had to be contained within something. Because it's like when I feel that I need to be contained, I want to break out even further. It's like, you know, when someone tells you, oh, you probably shouldn't do that. I don't know if you're capable. You're like, fuck you. I'm doing this thing, right? And then you go about it and you do it and it's great. So that's a little bit of a backstory of how I got into entrepreneurship. And basically I took my entire personal training and nutrition coaching business online. And in doing that, there has been, there have been so many challenges and tough spots, but there's been a lot of great payoffs as well. So let's get into it. 
All right. Number one, I really want you to think about how to set a firm work boundary for yourself. Meaning there's got to be times that you're working and there's got to be times that you have off. So for me as a personal trainer and a coach, I have a lot of calls. I have a lot of sessions that I have to perform. I have a lot of meetings. I have a lot of, eh, I would say a moderate amount of admin work. So I'm speaking within my scope to offshoot off of that. There have been people that I have encountered in digital nomading that do more of a type of work where they can kind of work whenever time of day, because let's say they have a deadline. They're like, well, I just have to get this done in the next six days so I can do it whenever I want. That's not the way it works for me because I work on a time zone and I work on several different time zones and I work on meetings. So setting those really firm work hours is crucial when you're digital nomading, because as I spoke about in the personal podcast about this, your routine is constantly being thrown off and you're moving around, you're seeing all these beautiful places, which is great. But at the same time, you're not really setting a schedule for yourself unless you are the one to stomp down and say, yeah, we have to, we have to do this. We have to create a schedule. So you have to ask yourself, what's that going to look like? So for me, I basically, before I even left, before I left Miami, I was like, okay, I'm going to work Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays as hard as I need to for as many sessions as I need to. And this is going to be great because it's going to allow me some actual time off because as a personal trainer, if you want to get someone results, you have to have frequency. And that's why I did hire another trainer who I have spoken about. She's amazing because it got to the point where I had too many clients and I could not field all of the client requests for all of the appointments that they wanted. So I decided I was going to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. So what that did is it allowed me Mondays to recuperate Fridays to do a bigger activity. Saturdays, I normally would work a half day and then Sundays basically off as well. But that doesn't, that's just for sessions and meetings and appointments. So I set everything within those time slots. And this is really important. So if you're heading out to go abroad and you're like, okay, well, I got to work, bring in my computer because otherwise you would not be listening to this podcast think about that. Think, okay, so do I work a nine to five? Do I work seven to three? Do I work an eight to 12? Because the reality is, especially when you're abroad, it's really hard to be productive because you have all these amazing things you could go and do these new places. You could go and see new people to meet new restaurants to try new mountains to climb and you're not really going to want to be sitting in your office working and building your business. Now, that's not to say that that's not possible and that you can't do that. It's just to say that you want to slot time to enjoy yourself. Now, you know, I happen to be a planner. I'm very organized when it comes to my business. I don't let things slide through the cracks. So having these times was really, really important to me. Now, if we want to get even more detailed into that, I go right into time slotting. So in the mornings, I work four sessions back to back, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., then I take a break and then I will train two clients perhaps in the afternoon, if not one. That's it. Like I do not take more than 20 client sessions a week because I cannot 
basically have the proper capacity I need for it to hold the space that I need for my clients because I have been a trainer for over eight years now. I've been doing this for a long time and I really only work with people who are extremely committed to their goals, who are extremely consistent, who do not cancel on me, who respect my schedule. And these are boundaries that I have had to set over the long term. And this is very challenging because if you are working with a clientele that has a very limited set number of hours in which they are available, you have to make sure that you are able to work with their hours. But at the same time, you cannot bend over backwards for everyone. So I had to learn that the hard way by completely burning myself out, getting to the point basically where I wanted to throw up thinking about having to do another training session. Yeah, it was that bad. I was training about 35 client sessions a week and it was way too much, way too much. And that does not even include all the admin time, the coaching time, the programming time. So anyways, you really want to set those firm work hours. And I did that. And that was really, really helpful because it allowed me to get the most out of my time abroad. So I really encourage you to do that. Work with your company. If you don't work for yourself on saying, Hey, these are the times I'm available. And then make sure you have Wi-Fi during those hours, because the reality is you could be in some small town and maybe there's only one cafe that has really good Wi-Fi and maybe it only opens at 8 a.m., right? So these are the things that get thrown into the loop and you don't really even have time to feel them because they're just happening. And you really want to make sure that you're prepared. So setting those work hours is beneficial. All right. Numero dos, number two, know your time zones and use a calendar that aligns the different time zones together. So this took me a while to adjust to, because when I was in Colombia, the majority of my clients at the time were working on an East coast time zone. I was starting on an East coast time zone because I went to Colombia before daylight savings. So I went there on December 30th of 2020. So the entire first three months, the time zone was the same. So it was super nice. I would say, Hey, would you like to meet at 7am on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays? I would say, yes, I would love that. Like, okay, great. Um, and then that was great. But then there was daylight savings and then it switched an hour. So then I had to adjust. So then every time they were training at 6am, I was training them at 5am or if they were doing their nutrition coaching session at 5pm, I was training them or doing their nutrition coaching session at 4pm. Seems easy, but you have to make sure that you are operating on the client's time schedule. This is so, so important because it makes them feel and it allows them to feel like you have their best interest and that you're not just thinking about yourself. If you're like, yeah, let's meet at three o'clock my time. They're like, well, fuck you. I'm the one paying for this session. It's five o'clock my time. So really understanding the time zones and working in their time zone. So once you have an understanding of how to do that, and additionally, it's a really great way to just be professional in your job. And that's super, super important. So speak in their time zone and then use your calendar and align it. So what I do is I'm looking right now at my Google calendar and I have two time zones lined up on the left. So we have mountain time because I'm now living in Colorado on the left. And then we have the primary time. And this is the time which is mostly East Coast because I have mostly East Coast clients. I do have some Central clients and some West Coast clients. But for right now, I keep it on East Coast because that is primary to what most, I would say 60 to 70% of my clients are on is East Coast time. So I have that there. And then what it does is when you look at it, 
on the calendar. And I'll post this on my Instagram story in a few days so you can check it out. Or you can just go on Google Calendar. That's the platform that I use is for the mountain time, it'll say, okay, 3 p.m. And then right next to it, it'll say 5 p.m. So then I know, okay, I'm training such and such person at 5 p.m. their time, which means it's 3 p.m. my time. So make sure your calendars are lined up because if you do not do that and you set a Zoom meeting, whether you're a personal trainer or whether you're a marketing consultant and you set it for your time zone and then you don't show up for your time zone or sorry, you don't show up for your meeting, you kind of look like an idiot. So it's not really, not really a cute look. Definitely had to learn it the hard way a few times. And yeah, and it's a cool thing to think about too when you're playing around as a nomad. It's like, well, where do I want to go that has a lit time zone? So if you work in the afternoons, going somewhere where you could potentially work in the mornings would be great. I'm going to Europe for a few months in two weeks. And I'm excited because when I am working at 5 a.m. U.S. time, it's going to already be 11 (laughs) a.m. Uh, in Europe. So that means I'm not going to have to get up at 5 a.m. every fucking day. And I'm really excited because as a personal trainer, I have been doing that for a very long time. And so it is going to feel really good to have that midday time slot. I'll work from 11 to 4. Hell yeah. And that tends to be a productive time for me anyways. So I'm excited. I'll have some morning time. I'll have some evening time. We'll see how it goes. But think about that. Think like, okay, do I want to live in Thailand? All right. Well, if you want to live in Thailand, you're looking at a 12-hour difference. So if it's 3 o'clock here right now, it's 3 in the morning there. So there are a lot of people that do that. Definitely do your research and think about that because it does matter. For example, there was this guy that I met in Colombia who was Italian, and he had the opposite time zone. So he had to get up at like 2 a.m. to train someone. I think it would be at maybe 8 or 9 a.m. his time in Italy, and it was really hard for him. So be careful with that. Uh, it's definitely, definitely something to be mindful of. So make sure you know your time zones. Don't fuck up your calendar and work in the client's time zone or work in the meeting that you're having's time zone or the company you work for. Okay. Number three, I touched on this a little bit with setting your firm work hours, but take one to two full days off per week. I'm going to give you two stories. Here's the first story. This is Basically, one of my friends, he his name is Jake. <laughs> I don't know if he'll listen, but if he does, what's up, Jake? When I met Jake, he was working in Colombia in an entrepreneur group that they had all gone together to Colombia. They were co-working and co-living in this house, about five of them. And they're just going ham. They were getting like $30,000 a month profits. They were making a fuck ton of money having a good time, living in Medellin, and they were working a lot. So I spent some time co-working with Jake. We were in Cartagena, which is this uh, coastal town in Colombia. We were in Cartagena, and we were co-working together at an Airbnb that we had gotten him, me, and then our friend Alice. And he was a fucking animal. Like, It would literally be Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays. He would work from like seven in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And then the craziest thing happened because you know how I'm saying, take one to two days off per week. He wasn't doing this. And, and this is not to throw shade at Jake. Jake is an amazing human being. I love him so much, but your body needs the rest because he didn't take the rest. And then like four days into his like, going ham, 
working hard, burning himself out phase, he got really sick. It wasn't COVID. I don't know what it was. Like the poor guy could not get out of bed for three days and I felt terrible, but look, I've been there and now I'm going to give you another story. Me personally, I was personal training so much. I was never taking a full day off. So I would work Mondays hard, Tuesday hard, Wednesday hard, Thursday light, Friday light, Saturday hard, Sunday light. What the fuck was I doing? And in doing this, I developed a throat problem, which I have spoken about on the podcast before, where I physically couldn't talk. It hurt to talk because I was coaching so many people that it hurt to fucking talk. Talk about a wake up call. I wasn't taking my one to two days off per week where I wasn't training one. I wasn't booking any sessions and it really, really had an effect on me. So you really need to think about what type of work you're doing. First of all, how demanding it is and how much rest time do you require? We've talked about this when we're talking about lifestyle by design, talking about creating a life that you love. You can't create this huge dream if you don't have time to breathe life into the dream and have time to breathe life into your own life and to your own adventures and not just your business or to take time off to actually feel creative to then be able to offer something new to your brand or offer something new to your audience or offer something new to the people that work with you. I think that having that time off is so, so important and it forces us, it definitely forced me to look at other areas of my life and see like, where am I excelling in other areas of my life that are not work? Because work is good. I'm always excelling at work. I'm always crushing it. I love it. I love running my own business. I love working for myself. I love my clients. But when I'm just going so hard, just working, I lose myself and I lose these other areas of my life. I'll lose like my social life or I'll stop being as good of a friend or I'll stop doing chores and like doing things around the house. I'm so fucking exhausted all the time, which, Hey, is fine. If you want to hire someone out at one point, I had someone clean in my house every few weeks because I had no time to clean it. I consider getting someone to do my grocery shopping, which I might do, but now I'm working smarter, not harder. So I have more time, but you really have to think about, okay, if I'm able to take this time off, it's going to allow me to look at these other areas of my life, your love life. I've been doing a lot of personal work within that space in the past, I would say four or five months, got back into therapy been journaling a lot, been crying a lot, which I personally think is really, really beneficial because it allows you to just get it out. And looking at my patterns and past relationships, the type of men that I'm attracted to, and whether that's, you know, positive or needs some work, needs some improvement. And this is really important. And then it allows me to feel more balanced and feel like I'm not just chasing after a dollar sign or chasing after some arbitrary goal that you're going to reach. Because the reality is like you will reach the goal. If you are diligent enough and you put in enough effort and you have some accountability and perhaps a coach or a mentor, you will reach your goals. You have to ask yourself, what are you going to feel like when you reach it? Because I have literally reached goals before and felt completely empty inside. And that's because I had lost everything else in the process, gone way too fucking hard and looked around and was like, what am I doing? 
All right, number four. Run the Wi-Fi speed before you book the hostel. So, hostel, hotel, let's paint a picture. Let's say you're going into a hostel and you're already in town. So, let's say you're staying in some place. Let's call it Paris. You're staying at Hotel A. You're like, okay, I'm checking out. I need to go to this other place. I'd like to be there for a few weeks. I'd like to be doing some co-working, some co-living, etc. You really need to make sure that you have good Wi-Fi. Because if you do not, you are basically going to fall behind in your work. You're not going to be able to get anything done. And your clients and or the people you work with might hate you because you're going to be unreliable. And then they're not going to turn to you as much. And then maybe your call is going to drop in Mexico because there's like a power line dropped speaking from personal experience. So run a Wi-Fi speed test. So what you can do is just Let's say you have a few hostels in mind. You have an extra afternoon. This is the kind of shit that takes time. You walk into the hostel. You're like, I'm looking at hostel A. I'm looking at hotel B. And I'm looking at Airbnb C. Maybe not the Airbnb, but sometimes you can look at the reviews. You walk in. You bring your computer. You test the Wi-Fi. You run a speed test. You can go to www.speedtest.net. And on speed test, it'll tell you how much buffering power the Wi-Fi has. So if you do calls, this is very important. Like I said, I know everyone's work is different. I know many of no many many a nomad who don't really need to have that live interaction. But if you need live interface, you've got to have good Wi-Fi. So definitely make sure you are running that test. Another thing is don't trust the reviews. You could read a hotel review that says the hotel has great Wi-Fi. You show up and the Wi-Fi is absolutely horrendous. Or you show up and they're like we're sorry. We don't have Wi-Fi today and we might not have it tomorrow, but maybe we'll have it next Wednesday. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? And they're just like, no, like mahalo. And you're like, okay, cool. So it, uh, definitely gets, definitely gets a little dicey with the Wi-Fi, and you want to be mindful of that because basically I found myself doing this thing that I created when I was nomading personally. It was this little fun activity called Wi-Fi hunting. So I would go out on a moped and <laughs> I would test out the Wi-Fi at like different hostels and hotels and see if it worked, see if my calls dropped. I think I will tell you, I probably stayed in like over, th- probably over 20 different hostels and hotels. And the only hotel that didn't ever drop my call was the last co-working hostel I lived at in Mexico. Literally. It was the only one. I was like, wow, these calls are going all the way through. This is fucking awesome. Good thing. It's the last part of my trip and I'm going home literally tomorrow. So anyways, you got to make sure you got good Wi-Fi. All right. Number five, co-working has its pros and it has its cons. Me personally, being a huge extrovert, I loved the co-working. It was amazing. You got to see different people every single day. You got to see some of the same people, which becomes so nice when you're traveling abroad every single day. And you get to work in a cool little space. They make a lot of hostel companies or cafes make these really cute co-working spots with, you know, let's call it decent to subpar Wi-Fi. And you can get a lot of stuff done. And it just kind of depends on the vibe. There's co-working spaces that are a little bit quieter and more focused. And then there are co-working spaces that are more big and 
loud and more coffee shop vibe. So it just depends on what you are into and what type of vibe you need when you're working. I personally require a lot of quiet because I have to be on calls. So there's that. And it's cool because you know how when you're co-working or sorry, when you are living solo dolo or working for yourself, you spend a lot of time alone staring at your computer screen. And so the co-working space is cool because it allows you to, you know, finish your calls or finish your emails and then you know, just be like, Hey, like, what's up? How was your morning? What'd you do this weekend? Like, how are you, how are you doing? And I really liked that because as you know, like I said, I'm an extrovert. And so for me, I realized when I was living alone and working by myself remote at my computer or at my computer in my apartment by myself, I was very depressed. And this was because I was not getting enough face-to-face interaction. So co-working is really great for that. Now there are some cons. Sometimes you feel like you're in this giant call center because you'll be sitting in a room. And even if it's a huge room with like 20 or 30 desks, people have to be on calls. People have to be talking and they have to be interacting or, you know, you find yourself walking across the zoom screen or what have you. And this can make it challenging to get shit done. And also if you are on your own call, there's a lot of loud noise in the background. So I was putting things on mute constantly. Another thing is Latin America is extremely, extremely loud. Very, very, very loud all the time. So even if there's no one in the co-working space yelling, someone could be like fixing a toilet next to you, or there could be like a parade in the street or someone salsa dancing down the highway, like literally anything goes, anything goes. So you just want to make sure you're kind of taking a look at what the environment would be like for co-working. You're understanding what you need. So for me, I was like, well, I would rather be in the co-working space than be sitting in my room doing calls because I like being around people. But some people would just co-work up in their room and then they would come down to the co-working space more to socialize. So there are pros and cons to it. You can always go you know, WeWork has a lot of international offices. There are smaller co-working companies that have different levels. So there was one co-working space I went to where the downstairs was like this big cafe. So it was a little more chill, loud, more of a bustle, little hustle bustle. And then the second floor was a little bit more chill and quiet. And I found myself able to get a lot more work done there. But then I had to pay to be upstairs. It was like $9 a day or something, which really isn't that much, but you know, all these things add up when you're traveling. So just being mindful of that. So that leads me to number six. You got to learn, you need to learn the difference in what type of hostel or hotel you're staying in, in the vibes of different places. So there are what we call party hostels. There are what we call co-working hostels. And then there's stuff that's somewhere in between. So for me, I liked the somewhere in between because I like to be able to go down and socialize if someone's having a party, but I need to be able to sleep at night. And as I spoke about in part one, there was a lot of times where I did not get a lot of sleep because shit was extremely loud, really, really noisy. And it was hard to get my rest. And for me, if I don't get my rest, I am not a happy camper and it is not going to be cute. So really understand that and look into that. So if you do look at the reviews online, a lot of times people will say whether it is a more relaxed hostel, whether it's more co-working oriented and look at the space too. So like look at the pictures and be asking yourself, okay, where is this room located in regards to like 
the actual sleeping rooms. Selena has some great options. Some of the Selenas are pretty loud, depending if they have a pool. Typically, if a Selena hostel has a pool, this is a huge chain of hostels, very, very common. If they have a pool, it's most likely going to be pretty loud. But Selena does do a great job of separating the common area from the hostels. So I think that's really cool. And I personally went to this one group of hostels in Colombia called Viajeros. And it's like traveler hostel. And that was nice because there was some co-working, but then there was also plenty of space to do your own thing. So I really liked that. And it's important. So you got to like, sometimes you show up at a hostel, you stay a night or two and you're like, this is fucking horrible. And I'm out and you find something better. All right, let's move on. Number seven, set boundaries with the people you're working with. This is similar to setting firm work hours, but I'm speaking more about boundaries when you're traveling too, because depending on what kind of work you do, people could be like, well, what are you doing in Colombia? And, and, and what are you doing every day? And blah, blah, blah. And you, you can give as much information as you would like, but I think it's really important to have some solid boundaries for yourself and be like, these are the things I'm comfortable talking about. These are the things I'm not comfortable talking about. And that's a really important thing to think about when you're running your business or speaking with clients or interacting with them in whatever capacity it may be. But also setting boundaries with your clients in the sense of being like, this is when I'm available or this is when I can work with you or setting boundaries within responses. So I used to struggle a lot with, I would be very reactive when it came to client work. So if they hit me up, I would respond right away. Now I have basically trained myself and my clients so that I only respond to them during business hours. So for me, my business hours are super early in the morning until midday during the week, and then a few hours on Saturdays and that's it. So when I do that, it allows me to create a better separation between myself, my work, my brand, my company, and the clients and my personal life, because things can get very construed. And then we have to talk a little bit about, okay, well, what about your interaction with them? So for me, if we're talking about the platform in which you're interacting with a client, I text all my clients and this is great because it's super convenient, but ultimately I'm going to need to get a work phone so that I can interact solely with clients on a work phone and interact solely with, you know, me, myself and my friends and my personal life on a different phone. So really think about that and, and what type of boundaries you're, you're going to be setting there. And sometimes, you know, if you do take a vacation while you are digital nomading, because people think you're like living this long vacation, but you're not, you're actually working just in a remote place. That's actually harder than if you were to be living your normal life. Um, sending out an email, telling them you're going to be offline, unavailable, unable to access Wi-Fi, whatever it may be. So that's really important. And number eight, I want to get into covering the Maslow's hierarchy of needs before trying to be productive. And I spoke a lot about this in part one. If you don't feel rested, safe, fed, secure, and basically just general feelings of groundedness in wherever you're staying, you're not going to be able to be productive because like what happened to me a lot is I was like, well, I know I need to be posting on Instagram or running this ad or speaking with this lead, but I can't because I don't even know what I'm going to fucking eat for lunch. 
and I'm so hungry and there's no food and all these places are shut down because it's COVID. I need to order my food, but the food's going to take an hour and a half to get here. So then you spend all this time and mental energy stressing about where you're going to eat. And then it's really hard to be productive with your business. So really think about how can you get that base set of needs met at the beginning so that you can actually be productive and get shit done. So a really great way to do this. And I'll thing that I saw a lot of people do is get a fucking apartment, rent the apartment for a month or rent the apartment for three weeks so that you have like a little bit of a routine. Because if you don't have any routine, you're going to go mentally insane. You're going to enjoy it for some period of time. And then eventually you're gonna be like, I need something normal. So for me, I was like, I'm eating oatmeal every fucking morning. It's the one thing that is staying the same. And now oatmeal is like this huge ritual for me. I love it so much. (laughs) Changed my life. (laughs) Just kidding. But anyway, so make sure you're really covering that. You're feeling safe, especially if you're a woman and you're traveling alone. You want to probably have your own room, something that's just going to make you feel like you have your own safe space, your own little happy place, et cetera, et cetera. All right. And then we are going to go into number nine. And then we have one more after after that. Set monthly business goals or don't. So when you're living abroad, especially your first six months, you're kind of just trying to keep your life afloat because everything is so different. Everything is changing. Everything that you used to know is no longer a reality. And it makes it hard to set business goals. Like for me, it was really challenging to grow my business because I, I I could barely keep my feet on the ground. You know, I was going to do this. I was running around here. I was jumping off these freaking cliffs and private canyons. I was cliff jumping and surfing and uh, scuba diving and mountain biking. And I was like taking these big trips through the more rough areas of town, just learning about the culture. And it's hard to, to set business goals and really achieve them if you're actually just trying to enjoy your time abroad. So really think about that. Like, is that important to you? And if setting those goals is important, I would say, try to get those goals a little bit more laid out and finite before you leave for your trip. So if you have a three month goal, have that very clear before you hop on the plane and start jet setting. Because the second you start jet setting, you're gonna be like, well, this is way more fun than fucking working. I would much rather be laying on the beach in Ibiza then I would be staring at my computer in Ibiza. So (laughs) you got to think about that, right? So if you're going to set those goals, do it before you go. I'm about to do a content trip to Europe and we're actually taking time off both myself and my content manager. We're just going to have a vacation for the first two weeks. Then we're going to work after that. So that's really exciting. But we have some goals within that vacation, which would be mostly like shooting content and working on videography, photography, et cetera. And On the flip side of that, if you decide not to set any business goals, that's okay too. I'm just grateful that I was able to go abroad and have this experience and meet so many amazing people and really just experience the Colombian culture and still be able to work and make money and have an income. Especially if you're going to a developing country that perhaps has a weaker 
currency, you're going to realize when you get there how lucky you are to be making US dollar or a European dollar or a Canadian dollar or an Australian dollar, whatever it may be. If I left out your country, I apologize. And it's like so, so important to just go in with the sense of gratitude and understand that you might not be growing your business and hitting $30,000 months every single time or every month that you're abroad, right? So if you're going to set goals, set them before you go. So you stay on track. And if you're not going to set goals, don't be hard on yourself. Cause for me, I think I was being hard on myself because I was trying to grow my business and scale my business, but I couldn't even, <laughs> like I said, know where I was going to drink my coffee in the morning or know where I was going to be sleeping that night. And so it was really hard to think about my business and the overall structure of my business. So really, really think about that. And the final thing that I'm going to tell you is number 10, have fun and expect that your business is probably not going to grow very much. And that's okay. So you really just want to soak in the experience and actually have some time. There were people that I met in addition to my friend, Jake, who they were working remote, but they were working like over 40 hours a week. So they didn't really get a lot of time to explore. Then you just end up what sitting in an office 60 hours a week in a foreign country, but you're too tired and exhausted to the point where you don't really want to go out and see or experience anything. So make sure that you do set aside time to have fun and to have interesting experiences and to meet new people. And that is a big reason why I am really grateful. I went abroad while I was single because when I went abroad, when I was in a relationship like seven years ago, I really shut myself off to a lot of experiences because I was so obsessed with my ex-boyfriend. And that was interesting because I feel like I missed like half of the experiences that I could have had. And the same thing goes for working remote. If you just dive so hard into your work, then what's the point of being abroad? So that's where really finding that balance is important and allowing yourself to have fun, allowing yourself to enjoy your time. And yeah, so definitely think about that, but also don't put pressure on yourself if your business isn't growing and you're not seeing a bunch of huge results right out of the gate. And it might take a few months. If you're abroad for the long haul and you're doing more than six months, you could maybe start reaching business goals the latter half of those six months or even further on, like six months and onward. So really, really think about that and understand that you are in it for the ride. You're in it for the experience. And I hope that this was helpful for you. These were the things that I wish I would have known. I had to learn all these things myself and I wanted to share them with you because work remote is so popular now and there's really no guidelines or parameters on how to work remote. So it's kind of up to ourselves and up to the people that are doing this entrepreneur thing abroad to set those boundaries and goals and limits for ourselves and to stand by those things. So for me, a big thing in my business is like, I hold myself very, very, very much accountable to what I'm putting out in the world and the way I'm showing up for my clients and the way that I'm running my business, because no one else is going to do it for me. You can have a team, but if you're running the team, you're in charge and you need to take ownership. So I hope that this allows you to take that full ownership of what is going on in your business, what is going on in your work and to apply some of these principles so that while you're going abroad, you're actually having a really good time and you're enjoying yourself. So 
Thank you again for listening. And I will talk to you soon. If you have any questions or you want to chat about any of these things, just reach out to me in my direct messages on Instagram. I am at Wholeartic Low Coaching. If you would like to get started on some goal setting sessions, I would be more than happy to speak with you about that. If you're looking at personal training, I have some trainers as well that I could match you with. If you're ready to make some changes in your life, we should talk. If you'd like to stay the same, you should just keep doing what you're doing and hope that it works. The final thing I will say on that in hiring a coach, hiring a trainer, hiring someone to work with on your nutrition. And the reason I speak about this is because I personally work as a coach. I have a personal trainer. I have a therapist I work with. I have a content manager I work with. I have someone who runs a lot of my administrative work. These are all really important things. And it takes a level of humility to understand that you don't have to do your entire life alone. You don't have to reach all your goals by yourself. You can ask for help. You can reach out to someone. And I would love to speak with you if you have any questions on that. So thank you again for listening to the Wholehearted Glow podcast. I'm your host, Blaze Collette. Leave me a review if you want. I'm not going to be a crazy person and read it on the show. But yeah, I will talk to you very, very soon. And enjoy your evening. Thank you so much for listening to the Wholehearted Glow podcast today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you liked what you heard, feel free to write a review. I would love, 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 love to hear from you. And if you would like to connect on Instagram, I am at wholehearted underscore glow. Lots of daily shenanigans going on there, but also like real life stuff, coaching stuff, fitness stuff. So anything you need, that is the place to contact me directly. And I will speak with you soon. Bye.